Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We're doing things a bit differently. We, uh, we are, mate. How week. are you? You all right? Uh, I'm dandy. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited. This is so exciting. This is ridiculously exciting. Do you want to explain what's happening, Matt? Yeah, dear listener, hello. Welcome to a brand new and fresh episode of Don't Be A Hero Podcast. This is our very first interview format episode that we are having. Uh, We've got some very, very special guests coming on uh, in just a moment. Um, We'll be talking to uh, writer and director... Jonathan Salemi and actor and stunt coordinator as well, Ooh. Anthony Molinari, um, who are also featured in the uh, last deal of the movie, uh, which is directed and written by Jonathan, uh, starring Anthony. Uh, and also Anthony's been in MCU projects as well as a stunt coordinator. So we're going to have lots of chats about Marvel. Obviously, it still be Marvel related. We're obviously going to be talking about the movie. And also, we all know, dear listener, that me, me and Forrest are... You know, creatives ourselves, and we like to tread the boards as actors. Oh, oh, we do fancy it. Oh. <laughs> so we'll have some, we'll have some questions, no doubt, about processes of actors and how we got into the industry, and same thing for Jonathan as well. So it's going to be great. It's going to be brilliant chat, and really looking forward to it. What about you, Forrest? You excited? I absolutely cannot wait. Uh, the Last Deal is an amazing film, um, so do go out. It's on Amazon Prime from the UK. It's on all kinds of streaming services across uh, across the globe. Um, so The Last Deal, look out for it. Um, let's roll those titles. Let's See you on it. the other side. Anthony and Jonathan, how are you doing today? Thank you for having us. You, you good? Fantastic. Thanks for having us, brother. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, you are our first official uh, uh, interviewers in terms of interviewing films. So we're looking at particularly, you know, Marvel projects, but also talking about your own projects as well. So we talk about The Last Steel, which we've just watched as well. So I mean, Forrest, have just seen it. Congratulations on the movie, both of you. It's so, so good. We thoroughly enjoyed it. So we can't wait to talk about it. But yes, great to have you here. Thank you. Fantastic. Um, so I think, Jonathan, I want to dive straight in. Let's. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about the film? Would be great. Yeah. So hopefully I get the log line right. It's been a while. Um, <laughs> it's about a black market cannabis dealer who makes one last deal before he's squeezed out of the business when cannabis becomes legal in California. Um, and so we shot the film in August 2020. Um, shot about 27 days, and then we premiered at the Boston International Film Festival in 2022, uh, won an award there. We played in San Antonio, won an award there, um, played at the Chinese Theater in Hollywood, sold that out, which was amazing. amazing. Um, and, then, and then we came out in limited theaters in the United States in February 2023, and then on Stars in June of this year. Um, and, and now we're getting across the pond to you guys. And we're in Belgium, the UK, Ireland, Canada. We just sold uh, a whole bunch of Northern European countries in the Middle East. And we're about to close Germany. So it's getting out there, which is nice. That's, That's so cool. It's, you kind of you just said Jonathan about um so um it was filmed March 2020 I think you yeah said. August 2020 so yeah we started August 2020 I started pre in in around March and I think Anthony came aboard in what June 
June, July. Yeah, right around June. Yeah. So 2020, so were you affected by COVID uh, in terms of protocols on set? And mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, we, I mean, we had the benefit of having a really small crew. So like we had a skeleton crew, which basically means like you're just dealing with just what you need to survive. Um, and like Anthony didn't have makeup or wardrobe or props or anything like that. So he had like a, he can speak more to it, but he had like a clothing rack in his car and had all the wardrobe there. And, um, but for COVID, uh, because we, we had the skeleton crew, um, we were able to keep it very contained and we were outside a lot, all the lunches and dinners we did at, um, restaurants. So everyone had like their own separate meal and we ate outside. And I think COVID albeit was a very like um unfortunate event for the world and, and the country mm-hmm. for us like we never had a case of COVID on set and and it was an opportunity for us to work whereas our industry was completely shut down that's amazing i mean especially you know no cases and stuff that's that's you know that's really good and for for me and forrest so we um both work in the theater industry and we're working in the same theater at the same time during covid and it was so difficult. Obviously, the shows couldn't happen, right? So we couldn't do any, you know, no no theatre shows or anything at all. But, like, it was so difficult to work, you know, and sort of contain and sort of make some sort of entertainment and stuff. So we had to, you know, a lot of our projects went outside, you know, and stuff like that. Um, it was quite, I think it was quite amazing, actually, in terms of, like, showing the resilience, particularly of our industries, you know, in terms of film and, you know, creative industries as well. Like, how we are so resilient. And we, we, made, we made it work somehow, you know? It's yeah. pretty cool. If you find a way to adapt. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Jonathan, um, congratulations on the movie, mate. And um, what was what was your kind of inspiration for this project in particular? So the inspiration was I needed to make a movie because I wasn't getting the opportunities to make a feature. So I created a checklist of things I had access to, and then built a story around that. So I knew I had like marijuana fields, I had a uh, airplane pilot, I had planes. Um, locations in Los Angeles that the rest of the country doesn't necessarily see or know about um, and a bunch more things like like that and also stunts like uh, a good buddy of mine Carl Safario who was one of the producers in the project knew Anthony so I wanted to make sure everything was legit including the top two um, leads that they had a stunt background so this way it didn't look wonky punches hit wow. Even like having someone like Anthony that could drive a car, you know, you take that for granted with actors. Like you think, oh, drive a car and hit this mark and go really fast, Mm. but they can't, Um, or at least not all of them. So, so I had that checklist. And then in October of 2019, I watched the Cassavetes film from the seventies. And it was just very like, um, you know, guy down on his luck gets caught up with the wrong people and then owes money and has to pay them back and everything goes wrong. And I was like, oh, okay. I can put that and put it into my cannabis story that I know a lot about cannabis in the world there. So when that happened in October, 2020, it was like all systems go and, and we were off and running. Nice. Yeah. Right. So uh, Anthony, what was, um, well, congrats on the film as well, mate. A brilliant, fantastic, uh, portrayal of insert. What was your, when you came into the role, what was your kind of thoughts of the film and how, and how did you kind of access the character that you were given? Yeah, um, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show. Yeah, when I got the call from um, Carl to give me the heads up, which is a mutual friend between Jonathan and I, I was really excited about it. Uh, Jonathan shot me the script. Uh, it was like, it was a really good story with, uh, a, I felt like a really simple story, but very with a lot of like rich colors, which was really fun. And I think that was the most interesting thing. I think Throughout the story, as I was reading it, at first I was trying to disenroll myself into the lead because I kind of was a little intimidated. But as I read it, it just resonated more and more with me. And there was just more and more science where I was just like, oh, my gosh, I got to do this. So, um, yeah, after reading it, spoke with Jonathan. We sat down um, and we put everything on the table. And after that, it was history. What I really loved about the character is that it was so, I mean, this sounds silly, but it was so human. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was such an everyman. And in terms of, like, a movie like this, you'd expect so much kind of, like, drama. So, all, you know, so it's all this kind of, like, all this stuff that happens around the character. But what was so great is that he was morally so together with everything that was going around with the character. 
Um, how did you find in terms of like navigating, you know, the story and with certain scenes? Were any kind of like highlights for you with the with the filming? Um, highlight. I mean, the biggest highlight I feel like is what you mentioned earlier, Matt, was just like kind of taking a tragedy and 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 turn it into a yeah. positive thing. It's like they, they say a tragedy is a terrible thing to waste. So we took a time when everybody was kind of really down on themselves and kind of bummed out what was going on. And instead, uh, Jonathan raised an opportunity for all of us to kind of go out and create and um, and and move forward instead of just uh, sitting back and complaining. So. I think that's probably one of the bigger highlights of my experience of this was just taking a time and taking full advantage of it instead of like being a victim of it. Mm, absolutely, 100%. Definitely. Um, Jonathan, it was one of the things that kind of struck me was that there was a lot of um, really good insight into the kind of uh, American laws with drugs and they're kind of, the insight into into that world that obviously certainly from a british point of view i i, I have very little clue about um so <laughs> it's, it'd be really interesting to kind of hear what your process what or did you know a lot about that before you came into the filming of it or uh, or writing of it rather um yeah i i definitely did so um one of my good friends who anthony met and the main character is based off of him he's been growing marijuana since probably i'd say 2010 and he started in his bedroom and it went to a warehouse and like, you know, your stereotypical like movie warehouse where you walk in, you're caked in the sodium, like yellow lights. I walked in on that in like 2011 and it was just like so like romantic in some ways, uh, seeing like this, this huge drug factory kind of, so to speak. And so I knew a lot about it from certain friends of mine. I had another buddy, Mike, who has his own CBD line. So I had a lot of knowledge there. And then in 2017, 2018, when cannabis stocks started uh, becoming all the rage, uh, my dad and me were trading cannabis stocks a lot. And, and to learn about catalysts for when to trade and what you're trading on, I knew a lot about the news around cannabis and the laws and legalities and all that stuff. So I, I had a lot of prior knowledge on the business side as well as the growing side of the plant. And, um, and so I was like, Hey, I know so much about this world and I really like, I really like this world. So, uh, let's make a movie from, from this. And also the lights are pretty damn sexy. So I knew like, Hey, that would look good on camera too. Yeah. yeah. I think what I really love about it is that it just, it's, it doesn't see, this is the something I think in terms of like UK, European, like international audiences that might have, you know, where cannabis isn't legalized in that area, especially in the UK like cannabis is seen as like a villain like a villainized thing and it's the, the, con the conception of it is very is very different and what i love about it is that it doesn't apologize for it but it does show an educational kind of view into what it was like and what it you know and how things have moved you know particularly in the us with kind of the laws around it as well how it grows and stuff and that kind of stuff i'm really interested were they plant rooms were those were those genuine plant rooms oh absolutely like we wow. couldn't we can't even afford wardrobe, nevertheless plants. Like, <laughs> so, um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I love that. I love the fact that it was just so it was so honest and you know completely. It didn't it didn't villainize cannabis at all, which is what it's about, right? Because I think this is quite you know particularly for me for 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 education. But I mean, I you know I've. I, I, I've known about cannabis and you know, I've just told you I'm a big fan of Amsterdam. I've been there a few times, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, so it's it's knowing and being being able to go, actually, this is not just a movie about, you know, cannabis and, and, and the stories around it, but it's also about the people that are involved with it and, you know, particularly, Anthony, with your character as well. Um, so I just, yeah, I just want to thank, thank you for that because I think that was really great, really informative. Yeah, like, like you're dealing with, um, I, I appreciate that, thank you, because you're dealing with, like, hard-working people here that aren't druggies they're not uh they're not mobsters or gangsters or anything yeah. like that they're just normal people that are growing marijuana and farming it they're farmers and um and yeah right now they're they got their backs up against the wall with tax regulations and what they can do yeah. and can't do and legalities and so so yeah it's a good take i didn't villainize it and I didn't glorify it, but I probably no. did go a little bit on the side of glorifying, but not by much. It's just just use that world and be like, hey, this is my world. And and mm. we're going to use a story that revolves around this world. Mm. It's, um, Jonathan, you said uh, about kind of the budget and the uh, 
ramifications of having a, a smaller budget uh, with, with these uh, filming. And I'll be really in, interested. How did you get on with? Because uh, Bobby's death scene is like just a, a viral, a, a visual moment that's so like Christ. <laughs> like how how did you ma- how could you manage something that looks so realistic at home with with such a, a small budget? There? Yeah, I mean Anthony saw the play by play there, so that. That took place over a couple days. So we use practical effects, which means like we're using the actual on set, we're doing the special effect. And you basically have um, a prosthetic on Mr.'s neck, Mr. plays Bobby. And then there's a tube that goes under the prosthetic. And then our special effects guy is back here behind my back and he squeezes the thing or he has a tank and it just blows it up. And you're supposed to like have like this Colombian necktie, they call it. And you're hoping like the blood comes out. But as Anthony can attest, it doesn't always work. So it didn't, it didn't work in this instance. And then we did it again the following day. We got everyone back. Not everyone. We just had Anthony, the DP, myself, uh, Mr. And then the special effects guy. We went back to the river, which is actually, you know, like, like we had a lot of this on set just to detour for a second where we had like, um, things go wrong, but we're very thankful that they, they did go wrong. It didn't seem right in the moment, but when we went back to do what we needed to do, it made the film better. And not only did we get a better shot with this, but I also got some really large wides that I wanted, more coverage of the river. I think Anthony was on camera. Were you on camera at all, or you were just there for moral support? I forget. Uh, I believe I was on camera on one of the wides. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I think, I think we maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We needed Anthony one of the wides, and so, and so, um, and so by doing that, I got extra shots that I wouldn't have gotten. But what we did to make the effect was, um, uh, Paul at Foxtrot Studios, they did VFX on it too. So we used a combination of the practical. So the center stream is real. And then Paul just made it larger. And then the saturation that happens and all that is all VFX. And it was, for me, it was my first time playing uh, as a director in both those worlds at the same time. And, and I think going forward, that's where I would want to play again. It's like, hey, I want to try for the practical because I know the benefit there, but I also know what VFX can do. And so I want to do it like that again because I get the most realistic uh, liquidity, the way the liquid drops that... You know, your your eye can pick up that stuff. Hundred percent, and it looked amazing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It pulled off so well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anthony. In terms of like, um, you know, you've done a wealth of incredible kind of stunt work and stunt jobs, of various things that we'll talk about in a moment in terms of other projects. But with the last deal, did you lead on the stunt choreography on that on the project? Yeah, it was inevitable. I mean, just the fact that like my background and where I come from and and uh, so, yeah, I definitely contributed to like just, you know, ideas, choreography and and in this particular case, it's all about time. Everything's kind of pressed for time. So you you pretty much contribute as much as you can, what you can in such a short amount of time to create the best results you can. So, uh, yeah, we, we had a lot of fun doing the action. With those types of like rehearsals for stunt crew, how how long would it take in terms of time for rehearsals into then filming it? Well, it depends on it, it. All depends on like the 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 complication of the actual act itself. These particular ones were pretty were pretty easy, but at the same time, that fight at the end where I mean, where Salah and I were fighting, and basically that would probably be at least minimum a week of rehearsal because you want to have your your leads and your doubles on the same page. You want to pick and choose when you're going to do your leads and doubles. So you're, you're more or less kind of creating a dance between your your stunt performers and your dub and your actors and your DP so that they can all dance together. But in this particular case, I, I think we did it the night of, didn't we, Jonathan? I mean, we walked over there and we scouted. We checked out the location. Uh, we didn't talk much about choreography. We had a general idea on what we were doing and like kind of the space involved. But because Sal and I were both stunt performers and we could pick up really quickly the choreography and, and make this work and with uh, with our DP being as, as as great as he was, I mean, he he made the dance really come alive as well. 
Yeah, it, it's a great example of like when you're dealing with an indie film with the time that we had, like because Anthony and Sala had a prior relationship and then Carl was there too and they had a prior relationship. And we all, I think this was like day five of the shoot at this point, And we were all building up this good rapport together. Like normally on an indie shoot, like you're, everyone's just sitting around like WTF and you're doing overtime mm-hmm. and it looks yeah. horrible. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, we we were a pretty solid unit. Yeah, it sounds like you had like you were really resourceful and like on it, you know, with each other. And, and I think that's what works, doesn't it, with projects like that? And again, kind of we're kind of relating it to kind of like, you know, for me when I'm so I'm currently directing a show and with the with the cast that I've made, there's a lot of people that I've worked with before and knowing how they work and how they tick and how resourceful they can be and how they can support a project. It's actually really useful, isn't it? Especially when it's something that's really close to you, Jonathan, you know, in particular in terms of the project and stuff, it's, you know, it sort of, I'm sure it made a really nice environment for the project for you. Yeah. Like if I was only producing the movie and not directing it, um, and I had a director and the director hired the people and they were going to do that, I would be like, absolutely not. <laughs> That's not going to yeah, happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Completely. <laughs> yeah. The um, one of the things, uh, so uh, me and Matt were messaging back and forth, forward as we were watching it. And uh, one of the things that I absolutely loved was the uh, narration at the beginning and the end of the film from Vincent. Uh, and it was kind of like, you know, this this is where we're at. This is what's happening. Right, you're into the film. Uh, and Matt, uh, Matt and me were kind of between the narration and Anthony. Your your voice, your voice is just amazing, absolutely mm. amazing voice. And and the music, it kind of. We kind of felt like Grand Theft Auto game <laughs> voice. Yeah. It had a really, like, it really resonated with us, that kind of be- beginning narration. And uh, just to get a little insight into that, Jonathan, would be great. Yeah, we did that for a while. So there was a voiceover that I originally wrote. Um, it was working, but it was too long. I kept going to Anthony's house where he's at right now. We would record in that room. I'd set up my sound equipment. <laughs> and was, he was a good sport, and we uh, what? We did it three different occasions, maybe at least. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on, on, on top of him, like I, I just be like, "Hey, here's the lines. I just need to time it out. Just put it on your iPhone." And then he he was such such a good sport about that, and um, and so yeah, like I needed to get it down to like four minutes or something like that because it was always feeling kind of long and. And I think because I had so much knowledge on on the cannabis industry, I was trying to put it all in there, but it was just too much. And so the more simplified I made it, um, and then Anthony just did a really great job, like like accentuating it and 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 being energetic and making us feel mm. like he's actually this person. And it turned out well. It really sets up and concludes the story like really really well. Uh, Anthony, have you done much voiceover work before or was that like the first time? The, uh, that was the first time. I mean, I've done some ADR work, but that was really challenging for me just because, I mean, I'm, I entered the, my gift is kinesthetics. So like moving is really makes me feel comfortable. So like having to just sit in front of a mic and, and I get it all the time when I go in for ADR, oh, they're yeah. like, hey, you can't move around. We need you to like... You're, you're, you're doing so, and I'm like, we need you to focus and stay here so that we can record this on it. And I was like, wow, this is really challenging. So for me, it, it was definitely probably one of the more challenging things for me to tackle because, um, again, it was like, I, I'm a visual kinesthetic type of person and having to sit in front of a microphone and make it come alive with just your voice was really challenging. And Forrest, thanks, brother. I, I really appreciate the the comments and the the, the I positive feedback. Loved it. Yeah, I did, I loved it. I just I love your voice anyway. But the narration <laughs> is it just it's such a great introduction to the film. It's awesome. It, it's a mutual feeling, man. That, that I am just <laughs> I, I love the accent and like the whole the tone. It's it's a mutual feeling. So yeah, right back at you, brother. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Oh, Anthony, in terms of like just just generally talking about acting now, how did we get into it? What what was that kind of like the movement into performing? <laughs> At first, like I just I just wanted to work. I came out here and all I wanted to do is work. So I just came out and um and I basically was just so focused on stunts that I could I did I just I love the 
the thought and the fact that like I was the magic in the movies. Like you don't see me, yet I create all this be- this wow, yeah. and, like, and then you yeah. pay me for it and you clean up my mess after I make a mess on set. <laughs> like this is amazing. I'm like I'm doing this yeah. forever. But then they're like, hey, we want you to say something. I'm like, no, 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 that ain't my style, man. Pick the, like use an actor. But it became more and more prevalent over the decade, the first decade I was out here that like, no, we are enrolling and looking for action actors. So it started to become, okay, say a line and then get shot so that we can use you. And and then it developed into like, wow, you're really a good performer. And I was like, I, I don't want to hear that. I'm going to stick with behind the camera. And then, um, or just not behind the camera, but the magic in front of the camera where you can't see me. Mm. And then I did this one role uh, on The Fighter where I really didn't realize it was going to be that big of a role in the in the actual movie. And it ended up, I ended up playing Shay Neri and he was from England and it was a crazy accent that they wanted me to put on. And it was, a, I thought it was going to be a disaster. It was for sure going to get cut. And instead they humorously kept it in the movie and, uh, and ended up doing, I got a lot of feedback from that. So it was 2009 is when like the first time where I got a lot of feedback from people once they saw that particular film because it was pretty popular at the time. And, um, and that's where I started my journey on like actually playing with the idea of uh, performing in front of the camera as an actor. Do you have a preference? Do you like, do you want to, is it you're, you're like happy with both or is there one you want to follow more? Oh no, I'm in love with acting now. Like it, it, it definitely, well, I think a couple of shots to the head, you know, some black eyes, a broken hand, like, you're, like, you're kind of like, hey, you know what? Uh, yeah, it, let's, let's, uh, let's practice words. <laughs> let's practice talking. <laughs> talking head, here I come. So um, yeah, like once I started realizing the potential too, I guess what happened was for me, it was like, when you're climbing a mountain like I was climbing and then you reach the summit and you're like, okay, there's very few things that I haven't accomplished here as a stuntman. What am I going to do for the next 20 years, like the rest of my career? And then I'm like, wow, this mountain over here is like untouched. And it's like, you're at the base of it and like, look at the potential. So I was like very much, um, intrigued by the potential of acting and, and what doors could be opened up to as far as what I had my overall goal, which is like a filmmaker, to be part of the whole creative part of the storytelling that's involved in this filmmaking. So yeah, I went- that's, really, that's really cool. I think it's, it's really interesting because like I, so I started off as an actor and then I ended up directing and I found myself being backstage more than I was on stage. And I've got this kind of like, I don't know where I'm sitting at the moment with it. And it's really interesting to hear that from you because I do find that kind of like the the acting side is this like, God, look at that mountain, look how cool that looks. Yeah. And just like, I'm treading that again at the moment, which is really exciting. So it's just like, yeah, it's really nice to hear that that's, you know, something that you're really passionate about. Yeah, I'm in the same spot, Matt. Like, like right now, yeah. like because we've been on strike for a while, yeah, for almost more than twenty three. I've dabbled. I was like, I, I, like I said before, tragedy is a terrible thing to waste. So what do I do? I go out and I start producing. Just because of the like, yeah. just because of who I am, I made a lot of relationships with people, and they just like me, so they keep me around. And then when they keep me around, I create like an actual speaking relationship with them. So I'm taking these relationships that I have here. And then these resources I have over here and I'm just connecting dots. And all of a sudden I find myself, oh my God, you're a producer. I'm like, I'm a producer. Oh no, I'm just, I'm just connecting dots. Like, no, that's a producer. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm a producer then. Oh, let's do this. And so I started uh, producing projects the last like seven or eight months. And it's been, now I'm kind of like, oh my God, wait, I, I love this. This is really cool. This is like, this is the foundation of the the, the project. And then, then the, the other side of me where I'm like, but I love performing. I really don't want to lose sight of this. But what I'm taking is what's right in front of me and what opportunities have right in front of me. And I'm taking advantage of that. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the same world, man. So yeah, yeah. I, I invite you to just like take on what's in front of you, what, what work smart, not hard and like, and take advantage of what you got right at your fingertips. 
Well, I will take that audition next Saturday, then, Boris. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you what, Anthony, if, if you ever do audio books, if you ever record audio books, I'm first in line. <laughs> a new career for Anthony. Just oh. read, me, read, me, read me a novel. <laughs> hey, as long as it takes place in Boston, I'm all set. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, you just said your British accent is tip top. So. Oh, right, right. Check out the fighter, then you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Jonathan why because uh, it, it's similar with you I suppose in the sense of directing writing you know producing what, what what for you what's kind of the the direction of travel that you're like yeah that that's a bit of me I mean it just seems whatever is coming down the pike at the time so like all three of them for me like I've just been doing all three for a long time so um it's natural and but I had definitely like as the career progresses, I would like to produce more. So this way, because, you know, like when you're directing a project, it's going to take two to three years. So there's a bit of a, of a time commitment there. Whereas when I produce, like Anthony was saying, like the producer um, title has so many different variations. You know, you can just put a project together or align the dots or find the funding or, or stay aboard and, and be in charge of the whole thing. So um, I definitely enjoy all three, the writing, directing, producing, and then I would like a time where maybe there's a year where I can just go and write and have a, a nine to five where I write. Um, cause I, I do work in that format. Like when I write, I do it like a nine to five day, but, uh, it would, it would be nice to have like a six month period or a year period where I just, I just write. And I, I've been fortunate. I've had that a couple of times in my life where I just, spend six months and that's all I do is I just write. I suppose if you're talking about writing, I suppose, you know, I'd be stupid if I didn't ask, is there, is there going to be a sequel? Is there going to be a last, last deal? Or we we have deal? interest. I, yeah. <laughs> the final deal. Yeah, the, the very last deal. Um, we, we, we have interest and I, I really enjoyed writing the screenplay because it was like, it was like whatever wacky idea I had, I just put out there. And then, mm-hmm. and then have this person with their back against the wall. And Anthony just did such an amazing job with the character. And it's like, it's like I would really like the opportunity. To, and, and I know it. I, I already made a, like a short outline of what part two is. Um, oh, brilliant. It, yeah, I can pitch it to you, to you guys. You can check it out. And like, I've never, oh, yeah. I, just <laughs> Anthony kind of knows it. But it's basically, it, I think, oh, Anthony's, because we mentioned in the movie, Anthony had a brother. Yes. So when I wrote yes. the script, the brother is yeah. actually dead. But in the movie, it didn't come across that way. So I was like, oh, it'd be cool if the brother comes back into Anthony's life. The mother has died. And so they meet at the funeral. And then the brother's down on his luck. He needs a job. He Anthony hires him at the farm. And then the guy's just a fuck up and like and like brings bad people into the life and onto the farm and including like the feds because of all the laws and stuff like that. And now it's like Anthony against like a new group of villains, as well as we incorporate like the DEA or something like that into it. Yeah, so, uh, take my money, nice. Jonathan. Yeah. Take my money. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but just completely, complete like eighties, nineties, like action, like because that that that's what I really liked about this movie. It gave me the opportunity to be like completely like eighties, nineties synth wave, but make it modern. Um, so if I could get that op- opportunity again, it's such a fun script to write. Just circling back um, to what, like, Jonathan is, like, Jonathan's a unicorn in the business. So there's very few, like, I just remember about seven years ago, I was playing basketball with Clooney in the back lot of Warner Brothers, and he's just telling me, like, how incredibly difficult almost impossible it is to make films in hollywood and and yeah. and i didn't quite get it and he was trying to explain to me but what i understood and i didn't get it until i worked with jonathan was that like it what makes jonathan so amazing and separates himself from everybody else is that he's he's not even he's way more than just a triple threat of, threat of a director producer and writer he edits he does sound he's ading he's dp he is like you almost have to have like this amazing, well-rounded mindedness of like all assets of f- making the film. And that's what Jonathan brings to the table. And that's why that's why this film did as well as it did is because he just wore 
so many hats it was insane like i've never seen it. and that's what i think these that's what george, george was kind of saying is that like that's what you almost have to be these days you almost have to Dude. be like yeah, yeah. a complete filmmaker a true creator in all aspects of the way and that's what jonathan is he's too will, will jonathan play the brother in the will you play the brother in the sequel yeah. there you go <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to see me in front of the camera especially myself <laughs> I, I don't think I can act I think I'm best at like just nodding being like oh yeah hmm. like just being that <laughs> like, that's, that's the extent of what I can do A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, uh, Anthony, like your stunt coordination, let's talk about that. All the stunt jobs that you've done in the past, and particularly in terms of the work that you've done with Marvel. This is a Marvel MCU podcast. Um, what kind of experience have you had with those types of projects? Oh, man, it's fun because like um, I've kind of weaved in and out of like what I guess you'd call like the indie world and Marvel, like yeah. big budget world. And like, and I've always, and I've, and I always just be so envious of the guys who are just like, always on the big ones i'm going on an eight month run here in seven different countries but like what i came to find out is that i really love the smaller indie worlds because it's much more intimate it's small it's shorter it doesn't obtain so much of your life and you not have to be so overly committed and you're not just kind of sometimes i find like just a number on set but the marvel stuff man it's it's like it's a whole different other beast like mm -hmm. you're at a much higher magnitude with a much bigger budget and a, the talent and everything included is just a it just it's like on steroids um i i love them both in in special ways that are in my heart um but i i would find um what working on both of them they're almost very they all they both have the same kind of problems One's got really big problems because it's got big money, and one's got really big problems, but it's got small yeah. money. They they're both yeah. at a yeah. at a very similar um, way, but just at a different magnitude when it comes to level of like what you got for financing going on. But yeah, I love working on the Marvels. I, they they tend to go big. They tend to go. Um, they tend to have a lot of fun. A lot of a lot of amazing top notch artists and performers. And uh, uh, when it comes to stunts. Um, wow. Yeah. Those are some of the more challenging stunts I've done in, in, in my career is just on the, like those larger ones, Star Trek, Avengers, uh, some of the Spider-Mans, but yeah, it's, 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 um, it's, it's at a different level, but I find that my love is more on the, on the smaller intimate one. Did you feel like, like there was more pressure with like, M like Marvel projects than it is with indie projects in terms uh, of to get it done, do the job, you know? I think for me, I do. I think it's more my mind just because I feel like it's this be, because like I feel like when I'm a part of the creative part of the smaller projects, everyone knows me. So like all across the departments, it's like, oh, yeah, he's going to do great. He's a good guy. But when it gets to those bigger ones, like, who's this schmuck? <laughs> Oh man, look, put, look at this dummy on a wire. What's he gonna do? Is he gonna just waste our time? And you're like, and you, nobody really gets to know you. So you're, it's almost like you gotta raise, you gotta raise, you gotta come to the, you gotta raise, you gotta rise yourself up to the occasion every single time. You know what I mean? So you're, you're really like, yeah, you're really relying a lot more on your intimate team than you are on like the, the bigger production part mm. of it. Mm. And um, so, Jonathan, uh, kind of in the same vein. So, if Kevin Feige 
gave you a call and said, come to the House of Marvel. You know, we've, we've got a film we'd like you to direct. You know, uh, or, or, or write, who knows? Uh, would, you be, would you A, be interested? And B, if you were interested, what superhero would you ideally like to write or direct for? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I mean, of course I'd say yes. I mean, who wouldn't? That's, like, <laughs> yeah. You could give me the next Twilight film and I'll say yes. <laughs> Um, uh, try, I don't know what, probably some, some character that is at least a bit like in the DC universe mm. I, and like, cause they, they tend to skew darker. So if I can, if I can, if I can go with somebody that's a little bit more realistic and dark and uh, of that sort, that's kind of where I would gravitate towards. Yeah. yeah. You know? new, new Batman movie yeah. with James Gunn. We'll line you up. Well, I mean, we're we're stretching here a lot, but <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I mean, something in that universe, but like, yeah, it's just so far away right now. But um, hmm. but yeah, like have a someone I can relate to in some way and keep it dark and real, like like something like Gareth Ed- Edwards would pick because you know his background, you know, starting with monsters and. Hmm. Then he moved to Godzilla. Um, yeah, yeah. That for me would be a lot more fun. If you would give me like a creature feature, oh, like like something like that, like that I grew up with, like um, like like give me like a Friday the Thirteenth or or something like that, like oh, like yeah, 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 that for me I'd be like fuck yeah, like I I'd, I'd, I'd love to do what that. If, what if DC's got uh, the Swamp Thing? Oh yeah, yeah, that's a creature. <laughs> so you could go for that a movie version of Swamp Thing. Yeah, they they actually have Swamp Thing coming out. Peter Dinklage, yeah, yeah, yeah. Swamp Thing, right? No, yeah, way. that's right, yeah. that's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll take Swamp Thing Part Two, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Anthony, like um, Anthony, if you could play like any well-known superhero, who do you who would you like to play? And the first one that comes to mind is the Hulk. Oh. And I was, yeah, I was like, that's, a good one. that's just, nice. I mean, it's just that's just my childhood. Like, I mean, I've loved the Hulk forever. Yeah, and 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 my favorite line I remember being at the premiere, and I was like, it, like I, I think it was Thor looked at at. Mark Ruffalo, Bruce Banner, and he's like, I think now's a good time to get angry. And he's like, that's the best kept secret. I'm always angry. And I was like, oh my God. I, yeah. I, 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 like, I, that's, I feel that sometimes. That's me. I, I knew I was the Hulk. And I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. But like after like getting, I'm not a D, I'm not a Marvel. I've never been into this kind of comic book DC Marvel stuff ever. So I've, it's been more of a new thing for me. And finding out about Doctor Strange, I think I could... I could see myself if there's one guy that would bring me over, it would be Dr. Strange just because I realized that like, wow, it's not about the muscles, it's about the mind. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is exact, this is my career. I did the muscle stunt thing for the first like 15 years and then I started using my mind and started getting smart and like started acting and not hitting the ground. And I was like, that's my transformation, Dr. Strange into the... <laughs> Superhero world. I'd be so there for it. Talking, so you're kind of talking about that, uh, Anthony, is like your background and, and going into stunt and an actor. I th- we read uh, back that you were a teacher way back. And then, and yeah. so like kind of, you know, obviously being being part of the industry, seeing that kind of almost what I, what I might consider a gamble of le- like leaving a profession like that and going into a, a world where God knows what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So how was that for you? I, I, I must have been great. I love teaching. I still do. I mean, I loved it. I mean, I still love it. I mean, it's like, it, it was my calling. And I didn't realize that I had another calling going on out there until one of my students influenced me to come out and pursue this. And, and it's just been amazing. It's been like, I didn't realize like storytelling, I would be this happy with uh, with the part of the creative aspect of it. So yeah, I was a preschool teacher for like almost 10 years before I came out wow. here and started doing this. And I could go back tomorrow and be the happiest guy ever. And I remember hustling. This was one like the first like six years I just... All I could do was hustle before I could get a job. And I remember hustling Mr. and Mrs. Smith, hopping in the back of the van. Try- and I knew that was a no-no, but I did it anyways because I wanted to take a chance. And I met this guy. His name was David Leach, and he was the double for Matt Brad Pitt at the time. And he's like, hey, I was a school teacher too. I go, no way. And we started talking. I was like, this is my brother. I am so connected. This is it. And he goes, yeah. I went on and became a stunt double. And I go, oh, my God, that's my con. I got to <laughs> become a stunt double. And then here he is. I watched one of his movies recently that he was – 
I was on Paramount and uh, we were on next door and I went to the set next door because I heard they were doing Bullet Train and here I was and I saw him directing Brad. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> look at you. So, so is this it? This is what it's all about. Like following yeah. your heart, pursuing your dreams. And here he was not just directing a movie, but also inspiring a whole community that where we come from that proves that says, hey, we're not just stuntmen. We can actually direct too. And not just direct, but we can direct great movies. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he did in that movie was so impressive that I hear so many huge directors complain about is he tied the storyline right into the fighting. So like in a lot of his fights, it was like story, story, story. And then the fights happen and a lot of directors get upset because like, and then and go action and the action and then cut and go back to story. And instead what he did was he created this beautiful seamless thread of the story going through the fights where Brad would be fighting and say, hey man, we don't have to do this. Let's talk about it. Oh, and you're like, bah, 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 bah. and oh, come on, man, let's turn the coat. And you're like, oh my God, he's being the character in the story in the middle of these fights with these beautiful dialogue uh, moments. And I thought that was just brilliant how he, uh, he seamlessly tied those two together so that you never really got disconnected with the story and it was kind of like a flawless little uh uh yeah experience that's amazing it's like it's you know it's and as well i think that's how this industry survives as well being inspired by other people by each other and each other's work and you know how that kind of moved you then to make your next choices as well like so it, coincidentally i also teach as well so i teach a lot so i do so i um train actors at drama schools in the uk at various places and um like being able to be kind of seeing being in the industry doing the job but also being able to impart what you know about the industry as well and getting those people out there as well it's, it feels like we're all part of this you know even though that we are miles away from each other we're all part of the same community right we're all surviving we're all trying to you know influence each other and trying to make sure that people don't get real jobs <laughs> <laughs> Amen, brother. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, Jonathan, you got what, what you got coming up that you can talk about? Any any other projects on the horizon? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm have my next script. Anthony has it. He's read half of it so far. Um, so working on that. Been working with my story editors on that and getting notes, and we'll be pitching that soon. It's a lot more action. Revolves around a retired assassin. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. If I get the opportunity to make it, I'm hoping I do. Um, but yeah, I'm working on that. And then, and then I just want to go back to, um, something Anthony was saying about like, but like the writing, directing and, and knowing all parts of filmmaking, like, like you're for, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself by. And so yeah. me, I always felt my biggest strength is like my curiosity and my collaboration and, um, and when you surround yourself with like Anthony and Sala and our DP Dominic and, and my story editors and all that, like, like it's, it's being more the vehicle for the story and be like, Hey, how can I best service this? And all my, all my actions come from that. And so, you know, you surround yourself with really good people. Like, I think that's a testament for how the last deal was made. And like, and like, I've never been a part of a movie that, had like the cast and crew that the last deal had that we all generally really love each other. Like we see each other at festivals or wherever else everyone's excited and there was no problems with it, anybody. It was just such a magical experience. So just wanted to like uh, circle back into that. But uh, you, you yeah. could you could 100% feel it in the movie. You could absolutely feel it in terms of the chemistry with the actors, in terms of the, the performances. You can definitely feel there was this kind of well, tightly knit. Everybody knew each other. Everybody knew how they ticked, how they could react in terms of certain lines. It was, it was. You could tell there was a passion, a passion project. Which is yeah, great. like yeah. like the poker scene. I did a. I, I, I appreciate you, you noticed that. Like I did a podcast a couple of days ago, and I was talking about this, and and I mentioned the poker scene. Like like if we just shot that poker scene the way it was in the page. It would have been okay, but like one of my favorite scenes in the movie is that poker scene because we went into it and we always rehearse before we start and then we start doing our masters first most of the time. And so like everyone had different takes and like, hey, maybe we should infuse this line or infuse that. In the end of the movie or end, end of that scene where Sala says, 
I, I don't like to lose Vince. Like that's genius. That was never on the page. I don't think so. And like they're playing poker and to show that I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And that, and that allows me to explore that, that, that allows me to now direct and then be like, oh, that's awesome. Let's make sure we get a close up of that. Let's, uh, Sally, can you hold on that a little bit longer? And, and so like, I'm taking advantage of moments. Um, mm, so yeah. Yeah. What I hear him saying too, is that like what I've experienced, especially when like the very little time I worked with Guy Ritchie on set, he comes in and, and he'll, and a lot of times these guys don't know what they want until they actually get there because they can be he, like, even like they can be writing and they don't really know what it's going to be until you actually get in the space. And, and I, what I hear is like, what I saw with Guy was just like how he just, he came in and he improvised and he just made it better just in the moment. And the same thing with like what John's talking about, what Christopher Nolan does is he, he does all his work casting. Mm -hmm. Like, that's it. I surround myself with the greats and then I let them do their job. And I just pray mm -hmm. that they bring something that I didn't see possible, that they're going to bring something else just by me picking the right person. They go and take risks. They bring something life to, alive to the character that they, he didn't see possible. And then, then that's his, his work was already done. He had already done that prior to set in the pre-production. And now, now it's time for him to like be able to focus on the creative aspect of it. on putting the camera in certain spaces and stuff like that. And it just opens up that opportunity when you can surround yourself with like what John was saying, great people. It, it gives you the ability to do your job better as well. Yeah. And, and it's not to be confused with not preparing because it's quite the opposite. Like just speaking for myself, like I have so much preparation going into every day. The DP myself know all the shots, all the blocking, everything. But like I just allow like, let's see what's there. And you go that direction. And I find that a lot of fun. Like I go in there completely like blank slate, like, hey, is there a better choice here? And what is that? And, and that for me is probably one of my favorite parts of the filmmaking experience. That's brilliant. Thank, well, thank you so much, both of you, for spending some time with yeah. it. It's been fascinating to hear it. it. You know, The Last Deal, it's a fantastic movie. Please go and see it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's been fantastic. Please come back on, you know, for any other <laughs> film, but definitely the sequel, The Final yeah. Deal. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Anthony's going to do uh, an audio book. Jonathan's going to write a sequel. We'll both be happy. We're living a life. <laughs> thank you so much i mean appreciate you guys watching the movie and and that you liked it too that's amazing oh, that's brilliant. really yeah, appreciate you guys. guys yeah thanks matt thanks for us you guys have been great really appreciate your time and and uh oh, inviting us onto the show thank you so much amazing cheers. thank you cheers guys Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you for listening to another episode of Don't Be A Hero Podcast. If you have any comments, feedback or any thoughts, email us at don'tbeaheropodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and other streaming platforms for future content. And to keep up to date on all things Don't Be A Hero, follow us on our Instagram or our TikTok at Don't Be A Hero Podcast. We'll see you there.